Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. How's it going, Jill? So good. Excited to dig in. How are you? I'm doing good as well, and we've got a lot to talk about this week. Um, we're going to start talking about the List Index, which comes out every quarter. Particularly, I want to focus on this Uniqlo shoulder bag thing, um, which we'll get into. And then after that, we'll talk about David's Bridal going bankrupt for the second time in only a couple of years, and kind of we can we can touch on some other bridal wedding industry fashion stuff too. Uh, and then finally, we'll talk about Express buying bonobos from Walmart, um, which came out earlier this week. Kind of a weird move in my opinion, but we can dig into why that may or may not make sense for them. But let's start. So I have this in my notes as talking about Uniqlo. I think you had it in your notes as talking about the list index, but we will talk about both. So so this fashion tech company list, probably a lot of our our listeners know this, um, L-Y-S-T. They put out a quarterly and then I believe an annual index um, that kind of ranks fashion brands and products based on a ton of criteria like sales and mentions on social media and searches and all this stuff. And they kind of just do little snapshots of which brands are really buzzy, which products are really buzzy, stuff like that. I'm not sure exactly how scientific it is, but I do think it's a good sort of barometer of just kind of like what people are talking about and thinking about. And often it's dominated by luxury brands, not entirely, but it's a lot of Gucci and Louis Vuitton and brands like that, Dior, almost always at or near the top um, for obvious reasons. All those companies are huge. The thing I wanted to talk about, though, is that this quarter, the they have their top five most buzzy kind of products and f- Three or maybe four of the top five are kind of luxury-ish. There's Rick Owens, um, some sunglasses. There's Diesel. There's those mischief big red boots. Um, There's a Skims dress, I believe. But the number one thing on the entire list, on the entire index, is a $20 shoulder bag from Uniqlo. I think it's the cheapest thing they've ever had that's ever made it on the index at all, or maybe just the top. It's yeah, interesting. I, I this bag has gone super super viral. They talked about how there's like 59 million views on it on TikTok. Uniqlo has said that it's sold out like seven times in the last 18 months. It is a big deal. Um, what what's your take on that, Jill? Had you heard about this bag? I kind of like was sort of aware of it. I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. Um, what I don't know. What's your take on Uniqlo kind of coming out on top with this? Yeah, under twenty dollars. Anyway, I think it's like seventeen. Anyway, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, really cute. Kind of that. I don't know if it's nylon, kind of parachutey, whatever you call this material. But it reminds me. They call it a shoulder bag. It reminds me of a sling bag. Just how people are wearing it. When I started digging mm-hmm. in, kind of in front of your body. It seems kind of a, it's not a lookalike, but a take on the Lululemon bag that's so hot, a cheaper version. Um, And it really, to me, speaks to dupe culture. Like it looks high end. This is all over TikTok, how to get a look, get a a look for less, get a high end look or whatever. Obviously, Gen Z is like, anyway, keeping TikTok thriving. It also reminded me of, because yes, I hadn't seen this bag I also hadn't seen number eight on the list, the weekday genderless baggy jeans. <laughs> and for mm. s- the Uniqlo bag, you know, it it went viral on TikTok. I'm assuming the same is true of these jeans. And it reminds me of, if you know, you know, basically, you're either in the TikTok conversation, you know what's hot, you're um, making it hot just by talking about it and everybody's 
hyping it and purchasing it. And if you're not there for a certain amount of time, you're out of the loop. I, I just am like, wow, I need to be on TikTok. It blows my mind. I think it's the first time I've seen this list index where there's one or more items where I'm like clueless. What are what's weekday genderless baggy jeans? But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, dupe culture and also if you know, you know, TikTok conversation, um, or you're you're out of the loop. Yeah, and and I mean we know that TikTok has, is is super powerful for driving, you know, huge surges, uh, uh, you know, in popularity of kind of obscure things. It can just sort of, if the algorithm plucks you out of obscurity, um, that can be huge. I mean, I know, you know, from in the book industry that book talk is huge. And if your book gets like mentioned on TikTok by some reasonably famous, it instantly is like number one New York Times bestseller. So I think that's part of the reason brands are so interested in it is that it seems like it has immense buying power. Um, and Interesting contrast, I think, to Twitter, uh, which has been in the news a ton recently for obvious reasons. But um, everyone that I know who deals with like SEO stuff or marketing has talked about how Twitter feels like the center of the world in some ways that there's where all this conversation is happening, but it doesn't really drive a lot of traffic to it doesn't drive a ton of traffic to media sites. It doesn't really move the needle, I think, for brands with advertising. Like the advertising revenue is not that huge. I think it's just because there's a conflux of like politicians and influential people who are super addicted to Twitter that makes it feel like a big deal, but it doesn't really have that much power. Whereas TikTok, like some random teenager makes a video of your product and instantly you sell a million, you know, excuse of it or copies of it, I should say. Um, I think the shoulder bag, the Uniqlo thing started with the TikTok video that was literally just showing how much stuff you could fit in it. Um, there's something about that platform that really like just uh, activates people um, in some mysterious uh, esoteric way. I'm not sure exactly. Like it seems like even TikTok maybe doesn't have a full grasp of how exactly that works. But I mean, that's why every brand we talk to is always talking about wanting to capture those viral moments. Yeah, I so agree. So powerful. Um, and also influencers, celebrity, the other things that made the list. There's There was a note next to each about driven by so-and-so who wore it, whether it was Kendall Jenner and, and Demula Meester was called out as like a rising star um, or obviously Skims, number 17 on the top 20 list has Kim Kardashian behind it. So celebrity influencers are obviously, I mean, this is nothing new, um, driving the buzz around these brands. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's noteworthy what you called out with the sliding, <laughs> sliding Balenciaga and Gucci, which Balenciaga is yeah. to be expected, um, fell from 11 to 18, which is significant. Gucci is, to me, way more significant in that falling seven spots also. But from two, like you were at the top mm -hmm. to number nine is a bigger deal to me. Yeah. Um, and yes, there, it's it's due for some freshness, we would say. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if that just has to do with Alessandro leaving Gucci and if there's like an identity crisis or something. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, that, that, was, that was notable to me as well. I also feel like back to like the, the weekday saggy jeans or whatever it is. Again, I had also had not heard of this. I kind of feel like the trend toward logo lists or or like quiet luxury whatever i mean whatever you want to call that that thing that's not super branded is really good for brands that are not 
Prada, Dior, Gucci, whatever, because, uh, you know, you can't fake a Fendi logo, but you could make something that looks like it might be Fendi, um, you know, just without the logo. It, it's, I think it makes it easier when that's not really when logos and really overt branding is not the thing for those other brands to kind of get more of a foothold because there's not as much of a barrier of like, oh, it's like this logo I've never heard of. Uh, or, you know, do you, do you remember that brand that's like not Ralph Lauren, but their logo looks exactly like the Ralph Lauren logo, but it's got two guys on the polo horse instead of one? Do you know no. what I'm talking about? What is I think this? it's got some similar name. I think you, I think it's U.S. Polo Association. Oh, I do um, know. That is it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the logo looks exactly like a Ralph Used Lauren. Used to be sold at Sears, my former employer. Yeah. Anyway. It looks exactly <laughs> like a Ralph Lauren logo, but I think when logo mania is kind of in that brand i mean this is just my my feeling that brand is more it's like more embarrassing to wear because it's like that's not ralph lauren and it's very obvious that it's not ralph lauren whereas if the logos kind of in general are sort of hard to define they're kind of like subdued you know you can get away with wearing other stuff and you know not feel like a fraud yeah i think you're onto something the only brand on here that i was like maybe a logo helped them um, on mm-hmm. this list was n- the new number two, I guess, replacing Gucci, um, Mew Mew, which it wasn't mm-hmm. mentioned uh, um, in the in the document, in the press release that List put out. They really owed that to a New Balance collaboration, a pocket bag, their buzzy Paris Fashion Week show. Um, but to me, somebody who does follow fashion influencers, that little a rectangle logo that's either at the top of your underwear, your briefs sticking out of your pants, or it's at the top near your neckline um, on like this long sleeve tee they're all wearing. That Mew Mew logo is is driving buzz. And um, it's not, you know, it's not an affordable take on luxury, but kind of if you want to buy something and and have a luxury look, get that that cheapy t-shirt with the logo. Yeah, definitely. And then one final thing I think we should talk about is the presence of some of these non-luxury brands on the index, I feel like the my first instinct is to say, well, people are spending less, so maybe that's why some of these brands are more popular. I don't know if that's the whole story. Um, I do think Uniqlo, to me, is... I, I feel like I associate them with a little nicer quality compared to, like, an H&M or definitely, like, a Shein or something like that. Um, but uh, the the... Like I said, that original video on TikTok that made that Uniqlo bag really pop off was literally just showing how much stuff you can fit into it. And I feel like that's less about price and more about practicality. Like it's not this ludicrously capacious bag. Um, I think that's what he says on Succession. and Or like a teeny bag that you can only fit a pen in. It's like good size. It's medium. You know, you can, it is practical. It's also nice looking. Um, So I feel like price is part of it there. Um, But also it's just like, good construction. I think Uniqlo is a, is a good brand. Yeah. And you're onto something. We're hearing that on um, YouTube shorts that almost like these videos showing craft or how to do something are really, again, popping off. I don't, I've never used that expression, but I liked it, Danny. And I know people <laughs> say that, um, but um, start saying it, pepper <laughs> it in whenever you want. I'm down with the kids, but like, yeah, seeing, <laughs> oh, can all my stuff fit in this bag or like, anyway, just we all tried the damn pasta with the Greek, whatever, with, feta with cheese, the feta, whatever. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> but, like that, but <laughs> I think like everybody, I know what you're yeah, about. I, I think that that how to help to sell it, no doubt. Good, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember talking to a, a 
bag brand a while ago um, called Bre- Brevity or Brevite. Uh, and the, the CEO was telling me that um, they were like a small brand, but they really popped off um, on TikTok. And he was saying they did all this highly produced, you know, video advertising for Instagram and stuff. And it wasn't really working that well. And then the video on TikTok that really worked for them, this was at maybe a year or two years ago when I was talking, talking to him about this. He said the video that really helped them was just he, him, the founder, just showing off the bag, literally just holding it up. It was like filmed in the office. He said it took like 10 minutes to film. It was just him like, this is the bag. It's got these pockets here. It's got an extra zipper here. It, it was literally that. It was like not very stylish or even funny necessarily. It was just, <laughs> here's the bag. And it was like, that was the one that really powerfully help their sales. So Simplify yeah, it's, it. it's such an interesting platform. Obviously, everyone knows now that it's a big deal, but I feel like it's still kind of mysterious in how it how it works. You know, I feel like people are still nailing it down. Agree. Yeah. But simple works. How to. We'll, we'll try stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about David's Bridal. Um, so they went into, obviously, David's Bridal is a huge bridal, wedding, fashion kind of company. Um, They went into bankruptcy, I think, in 2018 and came out in 2019, um, just in time for there to be absolutely no weddings the very next year in 2020. Um, They had a rough couple of years kind of trying to recover from their initial bankruptcy and then also get through the pandemic. Uh, This week, they announced that they are going into bankruptcy again. And this time, it feels a little more serious They've got a ton of debt, and the the announcement from the brand said that if they don't have a buyer soon, that they probably will start just closing stores and winding down the business, which I guess is, I don't know, if I want to say it's a shame. I don't know. It's like a, businesses close all the time, so I guess I don't really care. Corporations are not people, um, but they have been around for a while. I feel like that I you know associate that name with going to buy a wedding dress, but um. I, it feels like that sector has been really taking a beating, um, even when things have been good, because just because it went from zero weddings at all in 2020 and 2021, then to one million weddings in 2022, and then now kind of back to normal, but also people are spending less, so they might be shopping differently around weddings and bridal. So it just feels like that must have been very chaotic. A lot of the the brands in that kind of world that I've talked to recently have said, like, yeah, last year was great, but chaotic and crazy. And this year is like, similarly, there's a, it's back, the demand is down a little bit, but it's like, they, you know, they're trying to keep the momentum going from last year. What are your thoughts on on all that, Joe? Yeah, it's definitely uh, maybe being squeezed. It's maybe, they don't have a ton of stores across the different um, like markets. They're in Canada. They're in the UK. They have franchise stores. It's two ninety four. I mean, that's a lot. Um, so you would think that you know their their large physical footprint, that investment in stores, is probably hurting them as a lot of these direct to consumer players come about that to me are more fashion forward, um, just as affordable, if not more, the Azazis, Anomaly, Flora Ver, those of the world. But then there are also the kind of fashion brands that are all getting in the space, the Reformation. Um, we're going to talk bonobos today. Like they even have tuxedos mm-hmm. on the men's side, um, beholden on anthropology. Um, there are a lot of options. So I think that people are probably, like we talk about on the fashion side, going to two extremes where they either want the, I don't know, boutique experience you see on, I don't know, say yes to the dress or whatever, 
<laughs> something on TV. Yeah. But like you go, you get your champagne, you have more of a luxury experience, um, which I've been to a David's Bridal. It's not a shabby experience, but it's more like yeah. every day, I would say, like you're going to, you're going shopping. Um, it doesn't yeah. feel the most special. So you're either going high end, you're getting that once in a lifetime experience, or you're maybe, um, if you're pinching pennies, you're maybe shopping online, you're maybe mm-hmm. getting something less traditional. Um, the CEO of David's Bridal did mention the popularity of non-wedding attire, which I don't know if that, yeah. as, as blaming it on that, I don't know that that's entirely tr- true or the right way to put it. Maybe it's um, because I don't know that I've ever been to a wedding where the bride isn't wearing a bridal gown or even seen that much of mm-hmm. that. I don't know about you, but anyway, yeah. a lot of factors. Yeah. So there's a very funny Onion article about David's bridal going bankrupt. It's like one of those man on the street kind of segments. And one of the like quotes they have is like, have they tried making weddings more expensive? <laughs> Which as someone who is planning a wedding right now is definitely true. It is extremely expensive. But I don't think of the clothing or the dress even as like the thing that is the most expensive about, uh, you know, cause like the catering is like so expensive. The venues are so expensive, but that's because they're kind of limited. Like you, a lot of times you've only got one catering option or maybe a few. So like they can mark it up as much as they want, but for the dress, there's a million places where you could get, a, you know, even David's bridal, they sell wedding dresses for like 50 bucks. If you want the absolute cheapest ones, like they've got options. So I don't know if that, if like weddings just being really expensive had anything to do with that. Um, Although that was a very funny Onion article. Um, also, the uh, they have already laid off like 9,000 of their 11,000 employees, which is nuts. And I feel very much for those people who lost their jobs. Also, that's, that's a side note. There have been so many layoffs across fashion recently. And I wonder what the kind of long-term effects of like tens and tens of thousands of people uh, not being in the industry anymore. Um, yeah, that might be something for us to watch and maybe talk about in the future. Like we've talked about individual layoffs um, at different companies on the podcast a couple of times. Might be good to dedicate a section in the future to just talking about the overall impact on all these people just leaking out of the industry. Yeah, um, I mean, you got yeah. it's on. You're onto something. Layoffs. That is not a good look. They um, mm-hmm. declared bankruptcy. This is the second time in less than five years, as you stated. So, like. The CEO also said something about the confidence in the company since the first bankruptcy by brides. And this is something to consider because this is like you don't put this in the hands of a risky company when you we've talked to various folks on the podcast or just as sources for stories. Monique Lulier on the podcast talked about like how she and her employees like I a bride was stranded like during the pandemic, something with the supply chain. They literally like, there was no train. I don't know. They somehow ended up walking this dress like miles throughout New York to get this dress to these this woman. And I've heard something similar from Alton Lane. There was a supply chain issue. The custom mm-hmm. suit didn't arrive for the wedding. And this was, they were without a suit. And so Alton Lane purchased ready to wear suits that were not even their brand and expedited mm. them to this groom. They go to great extremes to, because, you know, this is such a, a moment in time. So yeah. yes, you need faith in the company you're, you're buying from. It's a one shot thing. <laughs> yeah. It's it's high stakes. Um, I, I had a similar conversation with the, the CEO of the Black Tux, um, which is like a men's rental place. Um, Andrew Blackbond, I think is his name. He said, you know, similar thing. It's high stakes. You do not want to tell a groom 
two days before the wedding, like, oh, supply chain, we can't, we, we're not going to get it to you till next week. Like, that's, that's one thing if you're just renting, you know, something from Newly or Rent the Runway or whatever. It's another thing when it's like, this is for a wedding. It cannot be a week late. It needs to be there. So yeah, definitely the stakes are higher. And, and you're right. I think the, I, I think you made a really good point about people maybe either going super high end, going into a boutique and having the whole experience or just like buying something cheap from like some online place that's not David's Bridal. That probably contributed a good amount. Let me ask one thing. Do you think that they'll get, do you think that they'll get scooped up? They're looking for a buyer. Like there are all these companies like Authentic Brands Group. There's, I was just going to say there's always ABG. No, no, no. I was just going to say there's always ABG. They're always looking to snap up bankrupt people. So I could see it happening. I I don't know. I feel like ABG has slowed their role a little bit though, but um, I could see it happening. I I, I don't know who, but it's, I, I, it, the statement from David's bridal made it seem, made it sound a little more desperate to me. Like that they weren't like, we are confident we can, it was like, we need to find a buyer like right now. So I think um, there's value. I think there's value. They there's say value. one in four brides still shops there, which is wild to me, but oh, that's wow. what they're putting out there. I'm like, oh, hey, seems yeah. sexy The to thing me. is they have a ton of debt and if you're buying the company, you're buying the debt too. So I don't know if that would like that might counter that one in four appeal. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it could happen. We'll 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 see. Um, if it does happen, I feel like it's going to have to happen soon, though. Um, so let's talk about our final topic. Um, Express had their earnings um, earlier this week, and they talked about uh, acquiring Bonobos um, from Walmart, which I thought was very interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, Bonobos has been around for a while. I think of them as like an OG DTC fashion brand, like advertised on podcasts with like MailChimp and stuff like that. And they were bought by Walmart in 2017 for over $300 million. And now they are being bought by Express for, I think, $75 million. Um, is it seventy? Yeah. That's correct, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so now they're bought by Express for $75 million. Um, it's interesting to me because, like, we have, we've written about how Express has a little bit been struggling recently. Um, they've lost 70% of their value in the last year, and their share price went, or their stock price went low enough that they were possibly going to be delisted from the New York Stock Exchange, which is not a good look. And to me, I'm no, I'm no business genius, but if that were what was happening to my company, I don't know if I would then immediately buy some other company. It's a little bit like maybe, maybe get your house in order before you buy somebody else's house. But, um, I don't know. I mean, their, their statement about it is that they say that Bonobos is double-digit growth, which I always think is a funny phrase because that could be 11%. But uh, they said that it's double-digit growth and they're like, it's going to be accretive to the company's bottom line. Like they think it's going to boost them, but it. Do- I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, it's like big spending for them. And also if it doesn't work out, then it's just more, you know, it's just even worse than it was before. Um, anyway, that I talked a lot. What are your thoughts, Jill? Yeah, I'm with you. And this was um, a group effort, a collaborative with WHP Global, which yes. between WHP and Express, um, which WHP is an it hasn't acquired. It has invested it, in Express. I think it partially owns Express. I think. Yes, totally. And it also owns brands like Anne Klein, I believe. What was the other one? Anyway, the fact of the matter is. This is one that could be buying 
David's bridal. But anyway, <laughs> um, true. Yeah, for a long time, I've talked a lot with Express lately. Uh, Tim Baxter, their CEO, about like trying to change, consider or change, move on from being known as a mall brand um, is a big mm-hmm. thing and a big focus. And they were kind of right tracking their their store fleet to be in the best malls and opening smaller format stores um, that are I don't know more catered to the local local shopper. All of these things are trying, and they're moving fast. Like they've They've launched Rental. They've done all of these influencer collaborations with Rocky Barnes mm-hmm. and Olivia Culpo. They're, I would say they are doing the right things, and yet they still have this kind of express, I guess, reputation as a mall brand. It's not going away. And something about it, it's like H&M, Zara, they're faster. Um, they're more fashion forward in their marketing. Yeah. Um and yet, like Express is not cheap. Like their prices are comparable to Azara, I would say. Like I recently mm-hmm. wanted this coat. I went in and I was like, God, I love a military coat. And it was like long and black and the gold buttons. It was like mm-hmm. $250. I was like, if at Express, ouch. Like I wasn't yeah. expecting that. So anyway, it's not cheap. So they're not keeping up with fast fashion, I would say. Um Yeah. And some of the quality, like if for a coat like that, it was like kind of that wool, it felt really good. Some of the blouses mm-hmm. you kind of feel or the pants and you're like, ooh, it, it kind of feels a little cheap. Um, and I know they've been trying yeah. to <laughs> trying to fix some of that, um, which is good. But anyway, Express, yeah, they've got some work to do. Bonobos, I've been talking to Tim. I'm like, I when I back when I was a stylist in my younger years, um, I would go to Express for to for a button-down men's dress shirt. It had some stretch to it. It really fit every time and it looked good on mm-hmm. camera like it was just go- and he was saying our men's workwear is a big category for us it works it's doing great to me this bonobos acquisition to me they're more known for chinos and more casual wear and maybe yeah. we talk about the growth of menswear a lot this is an opportunity to reach more male shoppers um round out their their expertise because i don't think that they have that casual male shopper or yeah it's not a big customer go ahead yeah no i I think you're totally right and i was going to say similar thing i i don't think of express as being super on trend the way that like a a zara would be but at the same time they're not as uh, i i don't think of them as having a super strong identity of their own like i don't know exactly what express is like they're not as like you said not as fashion forward or on trend as like H&M or Zara they're not as fast or cheap as like a Shein but they also don't have their own kind of aesthetic the way that maybe like a J Crew does and Bonobos I feel like does have some some more of an identity like you said chinos kind of casual menswear slightly elevated usually I mean I, I don't know if they still do this but I feel like I they used to have a little bit of funky colors or like socks and stuff and inclusive um, sizing that's a big thing for them yes. I forgot that yeah so I feel like Bonobos has more of an identity than maybe Express does um so yeah I don't know we'll, we'll see how it goes for them it definitely is was a little bit of a strange decision seeming to me at first um but i could see some logic behind it especially if it does kind of help them get out of the sort of spiral that they're in at the moment and i hope they're not delisted from the new york stock exchange no Um, we'll see all the mall brands that we grew up on (laughs) hold on hold on express 
Um, cool. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Um, Jill, thank you so much once again for being here. And for those of you listening, thanks for joining us. Um, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. That helps us out a ton. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because every Friday, um, Jill and I, or sometimes me and some other member of the Glossy team, and sometime soon, maybe me and a guest host from outside Glossy. Um, we do the Week in Review every Friday. We discuss exactly like we just did, things going on in the industry. And then every Wednesday, either Jill or I interview some cool industry insider. Um, who's our next guest, Jill? Janessa Leone, who is actually, um, she's got a namesake brand that's all hats. And actually, if you dig in, every celebrity, every influencer, she's built quite a business around hats and is expanding and growing and talking about growing that business. So really fun conversation. Cool. Well, look forward to that next week. And once again, thank you for listening. Thank you.